shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I just love listening to him read scripture. It is great to have each and every one of you here today, and I hope that uh, you're excited to be here. I hope that you are filled with joy, joy, because what we're going to talk about today, the gift of joy in our sermon series, God's Indescribable Gifts. Do you like to experience joy? There's a lot of reasons that we can be joyful. In fact, being a believer in Jesus Christ should give us joy enough. You see, we oftentimes in the world, we try to seek happiness, we try to seek joy in a variety of places. And so when you talk about joy, some people uh, said they haven't found it yet, or, you know, joy is fleeting, it's, it's, it's a temporary experience. And I, I, I read an article this week describing where we can find joy, and in its description, they listed a number of places where you cannot find joy. For example, you cannot find joy in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel of the most pronounced type, and he wrote, I wish I had never been born. You cannot find joy in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure, if anyone did. He wrote, the worm and the canker and grief are mine alone. You cannot find joy in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. When dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. It's not in position and fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both when he wrote, Youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. It's not found in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. Having done so, he wept in his tent before he said, There is no more worlds to conquer. So the question before us this morning is, where then is real joy found? And it's really a simple answer. It's in Christ alone. 
That's where you can find real, true joy is in Jesus. And that is a gift in which God has extended to you and to me through his son, Jesus Christ. If you'll notice in our text this morning that we are in the scene after the birth of Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph went to the town of Bethlehem. There was no room for them at the inn. They delivered Jesus in a stable, laid him in a feeding trough, and this angelic host then appeared to shepherds that are in the field. And we find, we come to our text with these shepherds that this angelic host gives them some news of great joy. Good news. It's really the gospel that they proclaim to those shepherds. And it is the gospel which does... Oops, I was already there. The gospel which is designed to produce joy. Do you believe that? Amen. The gospel is designed to produce joy. The angel said to the, 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 to the shepherds, says in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. In fact, that little word, actually it's a one word in the Greek, good news, is the same word that we derive our English word evangelism from, or gospel. It means good news. It means glad tidings. It, it's an important message. It is an exciting message. It is uh, an announcement that is positive and grand. We've had a lot of good announcements. I remember, since my kids are here, I'll, I'll kind of share this story. But uh, about five years ago, Samantha brought in a little shoebox to Jenny and I. And of course, at this time, we had no grandchildren. And they presented this shoebox, and it was the exact thing that we needed to see and hear. And it brought great joy because when we opened up that shoebox, guess what we found? We found a little pair of shoes saying, Baby Wookie. Yes, that's her last name, Wookie. <laughs> Coming, and I, for some reason, the year escaped me. Let's just say four years ago, 2017. I tell you what, that was great news. I mean, I thought the, the news of the birth of, you know, the, the announcement that Jenny was pregnant with each of our children was exciting, but when grandchildren come along, I, I, that is amazing. And we were excited, we were joyful, and uh, we've been blessed with Eli for four years and many more years to come. And he still brings joy to our hearts. And if that can be true of our children or grandchildren, 
It certainly is true about the announcement of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. That is great news. That is exciting news. That is positive. And, and I will just say the most important news that we can understand that Jesus Christ was born. And the gospel is described to us as a message of great joy. We shall, our hearts should be filled with the emotion of gladness when we contemplate the idea that Jesus was born to benefit us. And it should produce joy in our hearts when we hear that good news. You see, the gospel produces joy because of Jesus. If you look at verses 11 and 12, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. It's good news because of Jesus, because look at the titles that he has given. He is Savior, and He is Christ. Savior, as we looked at last week, because He saved us from our sins. That in Jesus, that we could be forgiven of our sins. We could be pardoned from our sins. We could be ransomed from our sins. It's because of Jesus, our Savior who is born, that should excite us with great joy that we can be forgiven of our sin debt. We should be excited for Jesus because of who he is and what he has done because he is the Lord's Christ. In other words, he is the anointed one. And in the Hebrew term, it would be the word Messiah. He is the one that's been prophesied of old that would come and that would take away our sins from the world. You know, there's a story in the Bible that I love to read often when I think about joy and the announcement and, 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 and actually uh, holding Jesus. Could you imagine if you were able to hold the baby Jesus? When Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph, according to the law, took Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. And it was a man by the name of Simeon, old age, who's been awaiting to see this day. In fact, this is what the scripture says. It says, at this time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had, to re and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and noticed what he did and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon was filled with joy. 
So much joy that he praised God and he prayed to God about what Jesus would accomplish and do. That he would be a rescuer, a savior of not just the people Israel, but for all people around the world. He was filled with joy. Even the angels were joyful. And their announcement, 13 and verses 13 and 14 of our text says, And suddenly there was with you an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so we think about the gospel, which includes the birth of Christ. That should excite our hearts. Not the popping. But the announcement of Jesus, because he is the one who has come to save you and to save me. Can you hear me now? All right. That popping was getting a little annoying. Just on my end. I know it has to be for you as well. Where was I? The angel's response was joyful. And it should be. Joyful. But this joy is not just meant for a selective group of people. Do you know that God wants all of us to be joyful? And so consider this, that the message, the gospel message, is for all to consider. Each and every one of us is to consider the gospel. In the little film showing the shepherds running away from the angels because of fear had to stop and contemplate what the message was all about, what the message was saying. And then you heard them what? Laugh. Joy, joyfully. When they understood and contemplated what the message, this angelic message was all about. Notice the shepherds in verses 15, 16, it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You see, the shepherds didn't dismiss that angelic announcement, but really, would you? <laughs> I mean, that was pretty majestic scene there on the mountainside with the sheep. The light, the bright lights, the angelic host, the announcements. They didn't dismiss it. They acted upon it. They heard the news. They, 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 they were given things to, to look for. They were to go and to investigate whether the things that the angel said was true or not. And so they went. And guess what they found? Exactly what the angelic messenger had told them that they would find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. They considered, they investigated, and they found out that it was very, very true. You know, I think as I share the gospel and even this message with you this morning, I really don't want you just to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. 
I want you to see in the scriptures what Jesus has accomplished for us. I want you to know the reality of, of, of why Jesus came and why he died and why he raised again was that he could save us from our sins. And it's a message for all of us to consider. But you know, so many want to dismiss it. Many of you may have heard the story and testimony of Lee Strobel. There was a movie made about Lee Strobel. He wrote the book, The Case of Christ, The Case for Christ. There was a movie that depicts his transformation of coming to Christ. And through that, Lee Strobel was a journalist. He majored in journalism, but he also had a law degree. And so he for the Chicago Tribune, wrote uh, the, uh, for legal journalism articles. And his wife, his wife uh, began going to church and seeking Christ. And he's seen a change in her, which really just turned his world upside down. And because of this, he, he began to, you know, want to, he wanted to go out and set and prove Christianity wrong. And there's a scene from the movie, a very powerful scene, that it reminds each of us that we need to investigate the truth and the claims of the Bible for ourselves. Take a listen. One of my heroes was C.S. Lewis, a man who began as a skeptic, much like yourself. At the end of his journey, you know what he said? He said, if Christianity is false... It's of zero importance. But if it's true, there's nothing more important in the entire universe. So you want your wife back? Well, hey, guess what? People in hell want ice water. Not everybody gets everything they want. Stop blaming me and the church and God and do your job. Stack up the evidence, follow the facts, and write the story, win or lose. I love that moment. What's to lose in investigating? In fact, it's everything to gain when we find the claims of the gospel true for us to consider. Look what Mary did. Mary says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, Mary knew. I mean, she, <laughs> she had this this conversation with the angel, she had conceived and she delivered Jesus and she pondered even in her hearts after the shepherds came all that took place. Could you imagine, imagine how overwhelmed she was? Could you imagine, uh, you know, trying to make sense of it all? She even pondered the reality of what is happening here and she treasured them. I hope we conclude like Mary. See, the truth and reality of what God is showing us, what God did for us, that we will treasure them in our hearts because Jesus was born to take our sin. You see, there's some responsibilities when we come to understand and consider the gospel because when we understand the gospel, we come to faith in Christ we are filled with joy, and the joy of the gospel then compels us to share this good news. 
Could you imagine having some good news and not sharing it? I mean, nothing killed Jitty and I more than to learn about our firstborn grandson was coming to the world and couldn't tell a soul until our kids put it on Facebook. You know how that, that's torture for grandparents. Because we wanted to tell the world. And there's something about when we come to faith in Christ that we just can't hold this news to ourselves. Can you recall thinking about that moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Did you keep it to yourself? I can tell you what I did. My, I wasn't raised in church, so my parents didn't attend church with me that Sunday that I gave my life to Christ. So guess who were the first people I told, besides the church, that I came to know the Lord? My parents. Guess who was next? I worked for a Whitey's pet shop in Fresno. It was an awesome job as a teenager. And I went to Whitey's, I went to my boss, John, and said, John, I've come to know Christ as my Savior. I need Sundays off because I need to worship. We negotiated. He goes, well, how if I really, really need you? I said, if it's an emergency, I'll make myself available. But I would really like Sundays off. Guess what he did for me? He gave me Sundays off. It's such good news we had to share. Look what the shepherds did. It says, after seeing him, and the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. After the shepherds went to investigate the claims of the angels, they found it to be true. They understood the reality. They believed it. They understood that this baby was the Savior. And they told everyone that they met. They shared, they were compelled after witnessing the validity of the good news, the incredibleness of it all. And it was so, a, such a joyous occasion. They began to tell everyone. And that's what we're supposed to do. And for some reason I have in my head, cue the song, go tell it on the mountain. I will not sing that for you this morning. I'll leave the singing to Aaron. And all of God's people said, amen. That's right. But not only does the joy of the gospel compel us to share the good news, the joy of the gospel should lead us to worship. Lead us to worship. Look what the shepherds did in verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. They glorified God. They acknowledged, they recognized, and they honored the God whom they served. In fact, if you think about glorifying, I like to look at it this way is that if you can imagine when we think about glorifying God, that, that everything, it's like a spotlight that just shines on God and, and everything out from there is just dark. He is the center of it all. And he is magnified, 
right? He is, he is enlarged in our view, in our life. And everything centers around him. And you think about this moment and how they could glorify God because what it does is it magnifies his word, that God is true. God sent the angels and the shepherds went and they found exactly the, the, the scene in which the angels told them about and they were convinced that what God had said is true. It magnified his word. And God's word is true. It's reliable. It is trustworthy. But it magnifies his love. When we think about the reason that Jesus came, correct? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. That's unending life. It magnifies his love. But God demonstrated his love towards us, Paul writes, that while we were yet sinners, while we were opposed, we were enemies, Christ died for us. We should glorify God. Which then ultimately magnifies the gift of what God has given us. The greatest reason to have all the joy in the world is what he's offering us through his son, Jesus Christ. And they praised him. They celebrated what God has done on their behalf. They gave thanks. They wanted the world to know, look how big our God is, and aren't we thankful for it? Amen. And that should be God's people. When we consider the gospel... When we consider the real true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born, that it might cause us to get down upon our, our knees, lift our hands up in the air, and just praise and glorify our God. Maybe we need to heed the words of the psalmist when he says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. You see, we didn't gather here this morning to moan and complain and gripe about what God has done for us. This is a time of celebration. This is a time to get to 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 recognize, to magnify, to 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 put in the spotlight all that Jesus Christ has done for you and me. And he deserves all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. For he has given us the greatest gifts of love, forgiveness, of joy, of salvation, of eternal security, everlasting life. That is offered to everyone in the world. And that could be yours today if you have not received it. 
I want us to stand this, this morning just for a moment. I'm going to have our pastor come and I'd like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes and I want to ask that as these, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, that if you're here this morning and you have not received the free gift of salvation in which Jesus is giving you, would you step out into the aisle and come and, and speak to our pastor? Will you cry out to Jesus today asking him to save you? Maybe you're here today and you know Jesus. You've trusted him, but you know that Jesus wants more from your life. Maybe you need to take that first step of obedience and identify him in the waters of baptism. Maybe God has put upon your heart that you need to come and to be baptized. Would you, would you just come and meet with our pastor? Maybe you're here today and God has put upon your heart your mind that you would like to unite with our church that we might labor together for his honor and his glory, that we may celebrate together what great things God has done. We invite you to come. If you're here today, we want you to do accordingly how God is leading you. If it's for salvation, we pray, we want to pray alongside with you. Maybe you need to know more about what Christ has done for you. Then we ask you to come. We'd love to counsel with you. We'd love to pray with you. In fact, let us pray now. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for what you've given to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, our hearts are filled with joy when we reflect upon the birth of your son and the reason that he was born, the reason that he lived and the reason that he died upon the cross was that, that we might have life and life abundantly, a joyous life. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and we praise you and we thank you and we give you all the honor and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.